Our text today is in Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52, and I'll read verses 13 and 14. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Two weeks ago, when we started this, the word, the one word highlight, the series is called Suffering Servant, but the one word highlight was servant. Last week, the one word was, what was the one word last week? Exalted. I didn't write it down. And then this week, it is tortured. And uh, when you read what happened to Christ uh, during the last few days of his life, uh, you realize that it wasn't just about execution. It was about torture. And I want to walk through just the last day of his life and show how that occurred. Uh, First, he was arrested in the garden. He knew it was coming. He was in prayer and he was uh, depressed, and he was giving that over to God his Father in prayer, and he was asking his disciples to pray with him, and yet, as I mentioned to you, they didn't. They really didn't turn to God in their depression. They instead resorted to sleep, and yet here he was in prayer. Uh, Judas had taken off earlier and had gone to betray him, so he, he brought the temple guards, and so they arrested him in the garden, and they took him back to the high priest, So here he is called out to a late, late night meeting of the Sanhedrin before the high priest. And they beat him and they uh, slap and taunt him uh, before the high priest. They hold him all night and in the morning they bind him again and they take him to Pilate. So now he's before Pilate and Pilate can find no wrong in him. But because of this uproar, he has him flogged thinking maybe this will suffice. And so then he brings him out and expecting to release him. And yet the people demand crucify him, crucify him. So he gives them back to the Praetorian guard. Now these, this guard, it says a whole garrison then beat Christ. They gave him to, they gave Christ to these guards. They took him into their guardhouse and then just proceeded to beat him. They had woven this crown of thorns. They mocked him. They spit on him. They took their staffs and they hit him. So they abused him for quite a period of time before they brought him out to persecute him. So by this time of the crucifixion, when he had to carry his cross, and he had to carry it quite a ways, and it was heavy, but yet nearly all convicts would be able to make that trip, but Christ could not. And so then they pressed that cross upon Simon. So he walks to the cross, and here he is being nailed to it. So he gets nailed to it, feet and his hands, and then he suffers on the cross and he dies. So we're talking about less than 24 hours. But during that period, he is tortured. And mercifully, it was short, but it was torture. And if you think about it, you know, the thing that I think it's so hard for we humans to relate to is the fact that he was human. He had a human body. He had a human reasonable soul, the the, uh, catechism says. And so we sometimes think of Jesus, I think, as Superman. He's not just man, he's Superman. So therefore... Is Superman afraid of anything? Does Superman experience pain? No, 
bullets bounce off them, even his eyeballs. That one show, they show that bullet bouncing off Superman's eyeball. Uh, but see, Jesus was entirely divine in his divine nature. He was entirely human in his human nature, and the natures did not commingle. So Jesus, in his humanity, had to endure what really no one else on earth would ever have to endure. And he had to endure it in his total innocence. So I want to talk a little bit more about why this occurred. Why torture? If any of you are familiar with the uh, Baptist missionary, Adoniram Judson, he went off, uh, he, was a, he was from Massachusetts, but he sought support from England, and then he went to Burma to become a missionary. And while in Burma, he'd already been there for several years when a war between Britain and Burma broke out. So he was imprisoned as a spy. He spoke English, therefore he was obviously, you know, someone to be feared by this Burmese government. And they did not differentiate between Americans and Britons. They, they couldn't care less. So he was tortured. And when you read the book of his life, it's obvious that he uh, really experienced uh, suffering during that torture. He was, he was imprisoned, I think, for 18 to 20 months. And uh, during that time, they moved him once from prison to prison. But he endured all of the typical things that prisoners often endure. And let me share with you what some of those are. First, uh, prisoners are often punished and they're punished for anything, any little thing, because the guards want to seek reasons to beat them. And for instance, during Second World War, the Americans, most of them didn't know Japanese. So they were all beaten for not knowing Japanese. The Japanese would yell things in Japanese. The Americans would not respond. They'd get beaten. And if, so eventually, they figured out enough of the Japanese to know what it is that they were being commanded to do. But until they could obey, they were just beaten. And as a matter of fact, if you've ever read about the Bataan March, many of the uh, uh, POWs at that point were even killed for their insubordinates to the Japanese troops. Uh, but so they're punished, and, and that punishment is to inflict fear in them. They're starved because they want them to be weakened. They don't want them to have the will and the ability to resist or to escape. They're humiliated, and that is, again, also to break down their humanity, to break down their wills, because what is it that gives these POWs courage to escape, courage to resist? hope. And so they try to diminish their hope. And lastly, uh, prison guards, if you've ever read uh, uh, von Hayek's book, The Road to Serfdom, he has an excellent chapter on why the evil rise to the top in a totalitarian culture. And if you've ever considered governments as totalitarian, surely you must realize that prisons are totalitarian. I mean, even American prisons are that. So Guards, evil guards, rise to the top in any prison. The ones that are the most mean will be the ones that are given the most difficult tasks because those that are weak of heart or weak of will, they don't want to go anywhere near that, so they flee from it. So here we return to Christ and we talk about, okay, in this brief time, all mercifully brief for his humanity because he'd already really poured himself out for three years in his ministry. And so y you might say that's probably why he was already weak in body because he'd been giving himself totally to the Lord, uh, totally to his father for three years in obedience. And so as I uh, read this book again that I referenced last week, and last week I mentioned uh, Unbroken as a, a picture of hope that this Louis Zamperini had hope in the midst of all of this that he was being oppressed with. And this week, I want to emphasize, though, that he was tortured, extensively tortured. 
And so he had many times been beaten. He would be beaten day after day after day after day because there was this one guard that just hated him. He was an Olympian runner, and so all of the uh, prison guards learned this quickly. And so they chose to isolate people who had been famous or, or special in some way and to make them special in a different way. So he was picked on for that. Now, I've already talked about Christ, his divinity, his humanity, how he wasn't a superman. These natures were distinct. But yet, I want to share with you one thing that I'm not sure that you've really thought through, and that's this. As a man, Jesus knew the physical suffering that awaited him. Now, as a man, we know that he did not know the future because there are glimpses of his humanity when he admits lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge of the future. But there are instances also where it's obvious that as a person, he did know the future. He commented on Nathaniel being under the tree before he saw him. So there were ways in which the natures of Christ uh, interact in ways that are mysterious to us. We don't know how Jesus in one instance can say, I didn't know the future. And in another instance, he can say, I did. But we know one thing. He was smart. And any smart human knows what's coming as they see where everything is headed. So even in his divinity, as he knows all the plan that his father has for him, his humanity rapidly catches up to that knowledge. So he knows as a man what awaits him. He knows the suffering that's his. Also as God, he knew what would await him. And so when you see him suffering in the garden, you know that both natures are looking forward to what's about to happen. His human nature is looking at the physical suffering that he's going to have to endure, the humiliation that he's going to have to endure. And yet, as God, he's looking at that separation that is promised because he will have to endure the torments of hell on the cross in our stead. So all of this he knew for long before it occurred. And let me ask you, if you know something bad is going to happen to you, tomorrow or next week or a year from now, won't that depress your socks off? I mean, it's hard enough to endure what we don't know, let alone the, the evil that we do know. Wh the one thing that really struck me in Unbroken is how hopeful this guy could be, Louis Semperini. And yet that's because in each situation he was in, he always felt, it's got to get better. It's got to get better. And it did eventually when he was saved. But all until that point, it really just got worse and worse. So when he was saved and he's being interviewed by this reporter that didn't even believe that he was the same guy, he says, that guy's dead and you're not him. But so he had to prove to him that he was the guy. And then the, the one thing he, he told him right at the beginning, he said, you know, something about this. And he wanted to sum it up in one word. Can you sum up what your experience is in one sentence? And he said, if I knew what I was going to have to endure... I would have killed myself. It's just that simple. He would not have endured what he did in those prison camps. He would have killed himself on the raft before he ever was taken by the Japanese. So see, that's an option that Jesus was tempted by, right? In his humanity, he's a man. He's therefore tempted in all ways that we are. I'm not saying he ever gave in to that. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to be obedient to his father's will. But he did know what awaited him. And so he was scared like any of us would be scared. And yet, instead of indulging in ways of avoiding reality like we often do, he did not. He faced reality every day. 
That's why he got up so early all the time, to pray. He knew he had a lot of praying to do to get through every day. So when something is unknown, we can fear it. But we fear the known, I believe, even more. I, I hate roller coasters. I can ride the fast ones. I went to uh, the place Universal down in Florida a few years ago, and I could get on the fast roller coasters. They're fine. I can watch them, and they just zip, 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 zip. The ones I fear are the slow ones. Mm, 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 mm. I just panic. I don't. I've, 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 I was on one of those when I was a kid. I've never gotten on one since. I just. I watch those roller coasters, and I get fearful. So I mean, that's what we're talking about: this anticipation of what's going to happen. And yet, Christ had that in his life all the time. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And so his humanity knew that, whereas none of our humanity does. We are shielded from the future by God's favor. Some of us really long to know the future, but really, if it were bad, would you want to know the future? I don't think so. We would dread it. So we would be very fearful. And yet that's something that Christ in his humanity had to deal with in ways that we have never had to deal with this. So now, the, f the thing that I find ironic about what Christ went through is this. Torture, what is the purpose of it? What is really at the, at the ultimate root of it? And I believe at the root of torture is an attempt to dehumanize that person that's being tortured. You want to eradicate the image of God in them. For them to not realize that they're made in the image of God. You want it to go to that extreme, that they acknowledge that they are nothing, that they are meaningless and worthless. So Jesus, the God-man, who became man for our sake, had to endure that as well. He had to endure that dehumanizing challenge of torture. And this scripture, I believe, talks about it, his visage being marred more than any man. He endured that torture in his humanity and his divinity. But, but really, I am uh, just astounded at what he had to face in his humanity for our sake. Now, he endured the torments of hell on the cross in his divinity. He couldn't have handled that in, in his humanity for our sakes, right? It was only God that could suffer the torments of hell for us. But yet he suffered both of those for us. So now he knew it was coming, and yet he took it anyway. And this table is a remembrance of that. It's a ceremony uh, commemorating that. And it's not sad. I know this is a sad text. But our joy is in that he guarded us from that. He protected us from that. So we give him thanks. Father, we thank you for this, your sacrifice for us, enduring the torture. And Lord, all of the hosts of hell were against you. So we know that whatever demons had influence upon those Roman soldiers, upon Pilate, upon the Jewish uh, Sanhedrin, the temple guards, we know that they were unleashed in their fury. And so it is not hard for us to believe that Jesus was beat beyond what any other prisoner would have had to endure because they were attempting to eradicate that image of man, that image of, of God in that man. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that he did this for us. And we come now in thanksgiving. And uh, not only does he give us that, but he gives us this and his continue, uh, continued abiding presence with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.